Hey everyone, welcome into another edition of the Woj Pod. Coming to you from Bristol, home of ESPN and ESPN Studios. I am here on trade deadline week with the great Bobby Marks, ESPN's front office insider. Bobby, how are you? I'm doing great. Another trade, I think this is my 28th trade deadline, combining my tenure in New Jersey and Brooklyn and then my life in the media. And uh, every, every trade deadline has its own story, so we'll see what happens this week. Well... This week's story is you are here with me <laughs> and our great producer, Dominique Collins, and we will be here in Bristol and doing this every day. We're going to tape these pods ideally at night. We are taping this Sunday night in a quiet, very empty studio in Bristol. So empty, I had to march through two buildings to find batteries for my podcast machine. They used to have a closet with them here, but we were basically going through people's desks and offices finding, but we did find four batteries. So if somebody's missing them, Somebody grabbed them for me. I don't know whose they came from, but but we'll do this each night. We'll post these podcasts in the morning. So this is going to be posted on Monday morning. We'll do it Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday morning, and then we have a we do a show on Thursday evening at the end of trade deadline, hosted by Cassidy Hubberth. I think Tim Legler is going to be here. You and me, Bobby, and so uh, a big week. But let's start with an injury. And the news tonight, we reported Joel Embiid, he's going to have that procedure on his left meniscus. He's going to be out for an extended period of time. Uh, He's going to have that procedure in the next few days. And after that, they'll have a better idea of exactly how long he's going to be out. It's tricky when you've had multiple surgeries, you are seven foot and 280 pounds, 85, whatever Joel is. It's not necessarily easy to know going in what exactly they're going to find, see what the recovery is exactly going to be. So they're holding off. But I was told that the door is certainly not closed on Embiid being back this season. If you look at meniscus surgeries, you can see him anywhere from four weeks on the short end. That might be somebody maybe having their first to eight weeks, four to six, six to eight. That's sort of the general vicinity, Bobby. And so we'll see with Embiid, you know, eight weeks still gets him back before the end of the regular season, according to... Your math, right? My math. Uh, first week of, uh, of April. Yeah, So, but we don't know. We don't know what it's going to be. Uh, they will know better. And even initially, you know how it goes. You can estimate what it's going to be, but you, there's a rehab. There's um, all the stuff that goes in. You think you know how long it's going to be, and sometimes it's a little shorter, a little longer. So, uh, But a huge blow for the Sixer team. Embiid was having an historic season, uh, averaging 35 points a game. First player since Wilt Chamberlain in 61-62 to be averaging a point a minute in the NBA. That is unbelievable. And this Philly team, which with the emergence of Tyrese Maxey and with Nick Nurse as their head coach, looked like it had every bit the reason to believe it could be a, a real contender in the East. And now, Bobby, they try to hold on. They're the fifth seed right now. They've, they've fallen in the standings without Embiid here lately and they're going to have to hold on for dear life in a Eastern Conference where it's going to be hard to imagine that they're probably not at least in the play-in. I don't know if they're worse than that, but they're probably somewhere in the play-in. Yeah, I mean, the body of work when he's out, 4-10 and in the 14 games, certainly a non-competitive loss to Brooklyn on a Saturday night. Um, you know, certainly you lose by 15, and I think the score was kind of, you know, doesn't do justice there. And where is this team in in April with um, if he does return eventually? And uh, what happens leading up until the trade deadline on Thursday? You know, I think it's it was always 
Yeah, certainly the market dictates, as you know, what the, what the trades were going to present itself here. And, um, you know, where Philadelphia is certainly with, you know, 12 players on expiring contracts and the opportunity to have a lot of cap flexibility this offseason and tradable draft picks, three now that incre- increase to five come, um, come July 1st, you know, you weren't going to see Philadelphia kind of rush out there to go out and make a, a swing for the fence type trade. Um, especially now, and I'm not saying Philadelphia is going to punt on the trade deadline here, but the one thing you don't want to do is go out and, and, and go out and get multiple players here without Embiid on the court because then how do, you, how do they fit in long term? Now, that's not to say guys who are on short term contracts that give flexibility still gives them flexibility here, um, but Philadelphia is in a, a lot different situation than they were a month ago when you know we probably could pencil them in as a top three seed in the, in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, and, and so you know, Daryl Morey had been like he always is trying to find, he is not afraid to call you and ask you about your best player and you're interested in trading them or your second best player and um but they have picks they have cap space i I don't know that again this is the case all across the league this is not a trade deadline where there are several really impactful guys available you can call and ask and sometimes you can pry a guy out who isn't necessarily available and, and get somebody interested in an offer but you don't have a bunch of really good players being shopped and philly I think with the emergence of Maxi was able to I think sell Joel Embiid on, hey, we've got a very good team this year. We could maybe be a great team next year if we can find somebody this at the draft and free agency in a tra- whether it's a trade or somebody who becomes a free agent. But that's really for another day. We'll see. I think Philly will run out all those ground balls this week. Daryl Morey always does. But you're right. It's trickier with him out. Uh, but I think, again, as I, it was described to me, the door is still very much open for him to return this season. There's no point in guessing whether it's four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks. We, we don't know. They don't know at this point. They'll know better once they go in, complete this procedure on Embiid's left knee. He has had procedures on both knees through the years. 2016-17, he had season-ending surgery, missed maybe the last 35 or so games, I think, to, you know, fix a meniscus. So brutal for Philadelphia. And, you know, you look, the East remains maybe still Boston at the top. I think everybody's still chasing Boston. I think Philly felt they were chasing Boston, but we'll see what that means for them at the trade deadline. The team, Bobby, we always talk about uh, at ESPN, and for good reason. There are more Laker fans than there are fans of almost any other team. It's it's uncanny. What are the Lakers going to do at the trade deadline you know, we reported here in the last few days, Jared Vanderbilt is very possibly and perhaps even likely out for the season with a right foot injury. He's going through it with a specialist this weekend, but at the minimum, he's going to be out a bunch of weeks and they are bracing for him being out for the year. He had been playing his best basketball for the Lakers, Bobby, the last couple weeks, uh, both offensively, defensively on the ball. He's their best, one of the better, one of the best on-ball defenders in the league. And that's a big hole for them. And so now you're up Palenka. You've never gotten Gabe Vincent up and going this season. You don't know whether you really will have him back and impactful at all this year. Probably your two best point-of-attack defenders. And so you go out in the trade deadline, and you're, if you're being honest with yourself, given who's available, are you going to use one of those first that first-round pick that you do have available for somebody who may not move the needle just to say we tried? Like Philly and these other teams, one available pick to trade becomes three available picks to trade this summer in the offseason for Philly or for the Lakers. Now, Palen- Rob Palenka is going to keep trying. I know he'll keep working it till Thursday, and I think I think there's still conversations to be had on Dejounte Murray. I think there's a price point for LA, and I think they're going to wait and see 
They don't want to put Austin Reeves in a deal. Atlanta's asked for Austin Reeves. I would be shocked if Austin Reeves was in a DeJounte Murray deal. I just don't see it. And really in any deal for them, given who's available out there. And they can wait in L.A., see what the market bears for DeJounte Murray. Maybe by Wednesday, Thursday, there's one pick and D'Angelo Russell going to a third team or maybe in Atlanta or whatever it is. Uh, or some other combination, but feels like Atlanta wants more, hopes they can get more than that. We'll see. But I think expectations in L.A. are tempered right now, Bobby, that there just may not be anything that can move the needle for them. I know LeBron James doesn't want to hear it. I'm sure AD doesn't want to hear it, but you can only pursue who's out there. Well, I mean, you just hit it right in the head. I mean, I mean, you look at where this Lakers team was that last December of 2022, there's only four players left on this team. Anthony Davis, LeBron James, um, you know uh, Max Christie, and Austin Reeves. So the roster has turned over, and now you look at it. It's, it's a you know everybody loves you know talking about trade deadline and, and maybe tweaking and changing parts to your roster, but it's a process of elimination, right? Like, what do you have to trade when you look at your draft picks, right? You mentioned you have a 2029 first and you have four seconds. Okay. That's, that's probably not going to get you in the DeJounte Murray sweepstakes as far as considering what Atlanta gave up to acquire him in, in that San Antonio trade. And then you remove, you know, AD and LeBron and let's say Austin Reeves is off the board. And now you're looking at D'Angelo Russell, who's got another year left on his contract, which is a player option. Rui Hachimura, you know, Torian Prince and a bunch of minimum players. Bobby, what, what's the challenge for the Lakers to have D'Angelo Russell opting into that yeah. deal? I think the expectation is he would opt in to its 20... He's right around 18... 18-7. Uh, 18-7. Yeah. So just short, shy of 20 a year. And you opt into that deal based on what you think might be out there elsewhere in the market. And what does that do to their salary cap situation if he's on the books next year based on the other money they have committed in new CBA? Yeah. They've got 170 nine million dollars in committed salary that doesn't include if the let's say the pelicans defer that pick to 2025 they keep their first that now you're getting in the 180s the second apron was, is projected at 190 and that doesn't include max christie who's a restricted free agent who they certainly want to want to keep and they're part of a group of nine ten teams that are going to be faced with those restrictions where you're not going to be able to take back money in a um, in a trade, you can't aggregate uh, contracts to combine, sending cash out in a, in a deal here. A lot of these re- roster restrictions, they're going to be challenged as far as how they add to the roster outside of, um, you know, outside of their own players. So, like for an example, if next, if this upcoming summer Russell opts in and, and a $35 million star player becomes available, well, you're not going to be able to go out and put Russell and, and Hachimura together to go out and get them. So, Russell, that Russell number is, is, a, is a big deal as far as where the Lakers are, you know, financially. Listen, he's played very, very well as of late since he's been back in the starting lineup. He's played really well on this East Coast road trip. And so, um, you know, they, they brought him back for a reason. They extended him. They, they signed him to a new deal for a reason. They, they, and he helped that team a lot last year. He's playing much better now. And so you even look at possible trades. Are you really him outside of a DeJounte Murray, who maybe certainly better defensive end but uh, Atlanta wants a return for him they gave up a lot for him and so uh, we'll see we'll see how that plays out I think Bobby this trade deadline and you heard it last year and I hear teams saying it every day now there's so few real sellers and Charlotte's a seller right now Brooklyn's a seller on a couple guys but the teams who are really really bad who've struggled you know are in full rebuilds Washington Portland Detroit they're not trading off maybe and maybe 
in past years, the players you would think would be available. Like right now, Malcolm Brogdon, and, and I preface all of these guys by saying things can change by Thursday. Somebody can call, and no, they're, I wouldn't say these guys are untouchable, but they're not trying to trade Malcolm Brogdon in Portland. Kyle Kuzma in Washington, they are not trying to trade him. I mean, he's happy. Listen, like they love Kyle Kuzma. He really likes that organization. Signed that extension this summer. Loves being in D.C. He's not angling to get out of there. Boyan Bogdanovich in Detroit. We've gone through a few trade <laughs> deadlines and drafts where he thought he's going to move and not necessarily the case. And I'm not saying Detroit won't do anything or Washington won't do anything. I think Ty Jones is in Washington. That certainly could move. Uh, you know, he's a free agent, but at the end of the year, uh, I think that dulls the market a little bit. But Charlotte, listen, they are listening on Miles Bridges and PJ Washington. And, you know, if they can move Kyle Lowry on at that big, big number, and if they can, he's a buy guy. I'm not sure there's a trade out there for Lowry. Chicago, who with Jack Levine out for the year, you know, I've been told really in Chicago, like the Levine out for the year injury does not really change how they're looking at the de- trade deadline. If they're going to trade Alex Caruso, they want a lot for him like an OG Ananobi type deal is what's been described to me and I think he fits anywhere and there are no shortage of teams who would love to get Alex Caruso that guy impacts winning but the Bulls know that and the Bulls aren't trying to be really bad and they're in the play-in and so uh, DeMar DeRozan you know would they will they resign him in the offseason you know he's at the end of his contract and if you're trading for him what do you want to pay him do you want to resign him is he just a rental so Chicago, unclear necessarily that those guys are moving. You know, you look at Brooklyn, Spencer Dinwiddie, Royce O'Neal, Dorian Finney-Smith. Those are all guys I think that people are calling on and could be in conversation. I think are in conversations. We'll see if there's actually trades there. They are telling everybody no on Mikael Bridges. They've been offered, from the day they got Mikael Bridges, they've been offered a ton. Four picks, five picks. There's nowhere he doesn't fit, but they, they love Bridges there. They want to bring in the next player, the next big player. Everybody wants to play with Mikel Bridges. And so you, you hope that they want to do it in Brooklyn versus somewhere else. But the guy, obviously, is, he's maybe not the best player, but your best player is going to play with him. See if you can get that guy in a trade. So lots of pieces on the board. Not a lot, Bobby, of impact guys floating around, available. And I think that's going to make this a week where. These are famous last words sometimes, all of a sudden outbreaks. But I think we may sound like, as one GM said to me, players 7 to 11 on a roster moving around. Yeah, I, you, you hit it right on the head as far as the, the guys that have a tremendous amount of value in this new day of this new CBA is those 12 to $20 million players. Kyle Kuzma has a tremendous amount of value because of his contract, and it descends. Alex Crusoe has a you know a, one of the best contracts. Um, in the in the NBA, Malcolm Brogdon, guys like that, because as Indiana has showed you how they're building their roster with Pascal Siakam and um, and uh, Tyrese Halliburton, two max guys, and then it's a bunch of guys making between two and twenty million dollars, right? They're like it's like kind of puzzle right. pieces there. Like the day of the three max guys mm-hmm. is a challenge to do, unless maybe Boston can do it because they still have some of the draft picks and they've got Derek White and Porzingis. Al Horford, player, uh, Peyton Pritchard, players like that here. And when you look at the marketplace, there are 11 teams that control 75% of the draft picks in the next seven years. That is amazing. That's an amazing when you look at Oklahoma City and Utah, San Antonio, New York. You, we can even put Brooklyn up there with those Phoenix picks and a Dallas first and a, and a Philly first. Those teams that want to get in, the, the Lakers, Milwaukee, Denver, some of those, you know, those high those championship quality teams just don't have anything to trade right now. And it's, you know, it's that, be, that becomes the ult, the ultimate challenge. And when and, and here's what will happen. 
and, and you've you've seen this forever. You get to the playoffs, you lose in the playoffs, and then all of a sudden pl- more players become available. And you've right. said it all along, you know, like Philly goes from, you know, three picks to five. It's, we're, we're looking at like a pick multiplier here because of how the rules are set up where you get your first-round pick. You can trade a 2031 first down, down the road, and, and just more, there's more options when we get to, to May and June. That's right. There's always teams will always tell you it's easier to make trades around the draft, especially when you know where everybody's picking, you know who you like, where the picks might be impactful for you versus doing them a little more blind right now. And it's just again, it's easier to do deals then. The play in has changed trade deadline. It's made more teams hang around and become if not buyers or sellers, they're neutral. They're maybe they can be convinced to go either way right into the last hours. But the play in has changed and it's made more teams hang around. Would Chicago would their view of things be exactly what it is right now if there wasn't a play-in tournament? Probably not. They might look at it differently, but there is a play-in, and so that, that impacts it. And, you know, the one player that I have not mentioned, Bruce Brown in Toronto, I think he very good chance he moves. Toronto could wait. He's got that team option on his deal next year, unique contract. But there's a lot of activity around him. Masai Jerry is really – listen, let's look at it. A lot of the big trades have already been made. Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi. James Harden in November. I mean, that yeah. was, but, you know, that could have certainly dragged out during yeah. the year. And we could Who was that? There was one other significant trade. Didn't we just have one? Well, we had oh, we had the uh, Stephen Adams trade. Oh, Stephen Adams week. the and other day. Was, right. You know, and, and here's the thing, you know, when you're looking at, and, and that was a, a next year type trade yeah. for Houston getting a, a quality uh, center for Alfred Sangoon. And then for Memphis to clear their books, and you know, we, we, with this new CBA, we're interested. We're going into this one-week period here, where a lot of these teams, the nine teams, the Milwaukee, the Clips, Golden State, potentially that are looking at this second apron next year, a lot of the resources that they have this week will come to an end. The ability to send out cash, and 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 when we get to the offseason, which is going to be interesting because there are some teams sitting on some of these big trade exceptions that eventually will become frozen here. Just to refresh for people, if you are in the second apron, and this is why it is imperative for teams to do everything they can. Some teams like the Clippers, they're going to be in it next year. There's nothing they can do about it. With the Clippers, might say the following year though, we want to be out of it, and so you see, you saw a negotiation below the max with Kawhi Leonard. They're still negotiating with Paul George. They're going to be able to do that after the season with James Harden. If you are a second apron team, you are not allowed to do what with your roster, Bobby? Run through it fast. Yeah, you're not allowed to send out cash in a deal. Uh, so you're not allowed to buy second round picks. You're not allowed to aggregate contracts. So combined contracts, you're not allowed to take back more money. Um, your trade so, exce- so when you say aggregate contracts... Yeah. You mean if if I've got a player who makes thirty million dollars, mm-hmm. I can't trade for three guys making ten million. I got to essentially find another guy around thirty million. You can't right. trade three of your own guys. Right. Yeah. You can't trade right. if you if you want a thirty million dollar player, right. you send him out twenty eight. One yeah. guy. Yeah. So it, it becomes more of a challenge. And then what will happen too is that after the two thousand twenty four twenty five season, if you're in the if you're in the second apron, your pick in two thousand thirty two becomes frozen. You're right. not going to be able to. Um, you trade it, and, and and it's not just the teams that are in the second apron now. You're looking at teams like Minnesota that is going to be a second apron team next year, starting on the first day of the offseason, and whenever that is April or you know in May, they're going to be impacted by those same rules leading up into the draft and into July. So there are a lot of restrictions coming. That's why you saw a lot of the the, the Drew Holiday trade, the Damian Lillard trade, um, the Bradley Beal trade. A lot of the t- these teams got out in front. 
before the t- the restrictions became become tightened in uh, in April here. Yeah, and so that impacts everything. The league wanted a hard cap. They didn't get a hard cap, but they got something that made it so punitive to be over that level. You are you just are stuck with this roster you have. You better like it. You better stay healthy. Uh, you can't even you can't sign buyout guys if they make less than the mid-level exception, yeah. right? Yeah, or make more than yeah, the, make more than the so middle. So if Kyle level. Lowry becomes available, let's just say he's not traded, then you basically eliminate eight teams that he'll be able to sign with. Yeah. And so they're going to incentivize teams to stay out of that. That's what the league wanted and what we're already seeing is it the goal of the league was A to control costs, but B to start moving players around the league. They want the talent spread out. And instead of Pascal Siakam ending up in Golden State or the Clippers or the Knicks, somebody who does who didn't previously care how high their luxury tax bill was, they're willing to just take it on. We'll pay this crazy luxury tax bill. You can't do it anymore. Um, and so the idea is talent gets spread around to the Indianas and the smaller markets. And you know Damian Lillard in a trade is in Milwaukee. And so that's the idea around that. Um, but it, it'll be. Um, Listen, this is a trade deadline. Four days left, Bobby. These things, listen, last year I think Kyrie Irving was traded on the Sunday of trade deadline week. Durant basically wanted out after that. That trade came, was late Wednesday night when we had that, that week. And so you never know who could become available. I think we knew once Irving was traded that Durant probably wasn't far off. I don't know that we have that situation again anywhere right now where we're so sure there's a big player who's going to be in a trade. Um, but it happens. So, you know, we'll see. Um, you know, we'll see as that plays out this week. And Bruce Brown, so the Knicks have had interest. The Lakers had interest, have interest. The Lakers wanted Bruce Brown in free agency and may have gotten him at the mid-level. And then Indiana came in and offered him the two years, 45, and he took that. They tried to trade for him with the Pacers, couldn't get him. And now he's with the Raptors. They're calling Masai Ujiri. Rob Palenka is seeing if there's a way to get him to L.A. But And Bruce Brown's an – listen, he was outstanding for the Nuggets last year. Bruce Brown doesn't put the Lakers over the top. He's a very good piece, right? But but it's not a piece where you go, oh, hey, they can win the West now. I'm not sure you say that after that trade. Yeah, I mean, it's the same like what probably Golden State's going through. Right. I mean, that's when you look at as far as what what the Warriors are going through. That's the other one. Yeah. I mean, certainly it's, you know, hey, you get them and if they somehow get into the play-in, they, yeah, they scare you, but they have to get there. But there's no one player. There's not a there's not a Kawhi Leonard going to Toronto in 2018 that will put them over over the top. And that's a team that's, you know, certainly not talking about Clay Thompson or Draymond Green, of course, Steph Curry, but. You know, they've got some decisions with Chris Paul, who's out yeah. right now and has got a, a non-guaranteed contract for next year. Andrew Wiggins has $85 million left. The young the young kids have played well with Kaminga and uh, Podzinski. So you see kind of where the, you know, the, where the future lies there. But this is a team that's got has paid $670 million in luxury tax penalties in, since 2015. And is facing, you know, with Chris Paul on their roster next year. We talked about it, the aprons, one ninety. Chris Paul on the on the books is one hundred and seventy four million in contracts, and that doesn't include Clay Thompson. So you do the yeah. math, and it, you've you've got to make some hard decisions here. Well, four days for teams to do that. Uh, we will be here 
in Bristol, manning, manning our posts, uh, trade deadline at ESPN. Uh, Bobby, we're going to do this all week. So good start to the week. Get some sleep tonight. We'll be we'll be back at it tomorrow. Well, I know I'll have a, a, a warm chocolate chip cookie waiting for me when I get back to that hotel. Yep. No, it's uh, it's always there. Thanks, Bobby. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Woj Pod. Be sure to listen to new and archived episodes of the Woj Pod wherever you get your podcast. Be sure to listen throughout trade deadline week each day, Monday through Friday morning, to get the latest on. NBA trade deadline week with me and our front office insider, Bobby Marks. Be sure to also listen to the Adam Schefter podcast. My good friend, Adam Schefter. We'll catch you tomorrow.